This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Here to In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Jackson Schneider, pleased to be joined now by Aubrey Linville, Salina native, KU alum, uh, football and basketball. But Aubrey, you're, you're heading to Lawrence this weekend for a celebration. It's 125 years of Kansas basketball. And you you just might be the, the oldest one there. Is that true? That's what I found out that I am. I know everybody I played with is gone, but I didn't know... I was a oldest surviving member. Well, that's that's still uh, an incredible achievement, especially for someone who's gone and done as many things as you've done. You were just telling us a few minutes ago you served in the Navy, and then you ended up playing football and basketball at KU. Can you take me through your journey through that stage of your life a little bit? Well, uh, I graduated from Solana High School in 1946 and played football and basketball and ran the hurdles and track. Uh, The war ended just before I graduated from high school, but they were still drafting when I got out. A lot of us went to join the Navy, and I did that. And uh, I served a year in the Aleutian Islands on board a ship. Then we decommissioned the ship, came back to San Francisco, and I... a guy I played against in McPherson recognized me and turned me into the coach and got me. I wanted to know if I'd play football, and I said, well, yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then they transferred me in after the football season into the San Francisco 12th Naval District, and I played basketball there. Well, that's incredible. And you, you, so you were on the KU basketball team, was it 49 through 51? 49 and 50. So that, those are two... Pretty good basketball teams, and then I think in '52 they ended up winning a national championship. Yes, Is that that's right? right? All the guys I played with, uh, they end up winning a national championship. Couldn't you couldn't play as a freshman in those days, and uh, so I played with. Uh, I was on the starting five with the other four guys. That ended up being the nucleus of that '52 team, and uh, I decided after. It was getting hard for to play both football and basketball because we'd come out from, from football and they were already back east on trips. So uh, I decided my time was better spent playing football because I was there at KU on a football scholarship. Oh, well, I would say that that worked out pretty well for you. You, you guys on the football field were pretty darn good as well, winning what was I, – I've got some notes here. Seven wins in 1952, and, and w- take me through the football side of things because balancing basketball and football, that does seem sure. like a challenge. Yeah, we had good football teams in uh, the time I was there. Uh, again, the uh, only thing we could play was freshman games. Uh, NCAA, I started school in 1948, and that year the NCAA said let the football team play two games, but uh, when basketball, we couldn't play any. We never did. We under, asked why that was, and they said, well, you need to study. They <laughs> said, well, we need to study in football, too, you know, but that's the way it was. And well, that's... that started playing football then the sophomore year. So you, your sophomore year, what year would have that would that have been? 
Uh, that would have been 1949 in football. Okay, so then you got a few more years of of that experience. And as I'm looking through this, I mean, again, you were you were a team team captain, is that right? Yes. So so t- take that, me through that. I mean, well, that was goodness. 1951, and uh, we were eight and two that year. Uh, lost to Oklahoma and Colorado. But uh, so you couldn't go to a bowl in those days, okay. unless you won the conference championship, and Oklahoma won that. So now, I mean, just a handful of bowl games back then. Now, what do you think when you see all these games and there's three, four bowl games a day for almost a month straight during December? <laughs> uh, it's amazing to me. Uh, you know, <laughs> we—I uh, don't know if I'd want to play in some of those minor bowls and keep the extend the season. Well, you couldn't if you played basketball. And that's why I end up getting out of basketball because things lasted too long. And well, the KU football also had a, a great year this year. I'm sure you were proud to see them get to back to a bowl game and, and give them a pretty good run against Arkansas in that one. Did, did you get to watch? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, they're doing very well, I think. J.V. Sykes was my coach, and I think he still has the best percentage record for the years that he was there. That's the last I heard that he was wow. had the best. Well, that's incredible. Now, basketball-wise, again, you're you're heading to Lawrence on Saturday. KU will be playing Iowa State, and it's a celebration of 125 years of Kansas basketball, and that's a pretty long and, and proud tradition of, of basketball success, obviously, at KU. Who, What's maybe your your favorite story from your time playing basketball with the Jayhawks that you like to share with some of these reunions? Well, uh, one of my favorite stories is I just found a letter in a box my parents apparently had in their basement. I'm 94, so that's (laughs) that's a long time ago, but there was a letter in there from Fog Allen, and it was 17 pages long. And it talked all about all the things that uh, we need to do to get in shape. Well, I didn't get the letter because I was already down at school practicing football when that came out. And so in that letter, he uh, Fogg referred to political things and all that kind of stuff. And in there, he talked about Clyde Lavellet, who was our All-American center. And he said, Clyde, you need to get in shape. Uh, you look like you have a watermelon in your belly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say he got into shape pretty good with what he ended up doing. Clyde was a, he had a great hook shot. That's what it was. He never was an athletic guy, but he was really a good basketball player. Ended up going to the NBA. I'm sure he. Yes. He he's one you've been asked about a million times, and I'm sure being around him in your time there at KU. But what what was it like with the group that you had? Because as you mentioned, that that nucleus went on to win a national championship, and that's a heck of a feat. Yes, I, I was recruited primarily for basketball when I was in high school because I just played football two years, and uh, when I came back. You know, I was recruited primarily for football, and and uh, I, did, I didn't know it at the time, but Fog Allen had recruited Clyde Lavellet and uh, Bill Hoagland, Bob Kenny, and and Bill Linhard uh, to win a national championship, and uh, he, they were good, and he and they did. 
<laughs> they certainly did, and and that I think kind of helped build the part of the tradition at Kansas with the basketball side of things, right? With all the success we know now, and of course they won a national championship back in March, and incredible feat for Bill Self and his group. Uh, how often do you get back to watch Kansas in person at, at Allen Fieldhouse? Because there's not many places as fun to watch a game as that. Yeah, I agree, but I I don't go very often anymore. Uh, I, I always watch them on TV. <laughs> you and me both. I don't. I I haven't been to a KU basketball game since. Oh, it would have been 2020, right before COVID happened. I got to see KU play Baylor, and that's the last time I've been in Allen Fieldhouse. So it's been a while for me as well, but I always enjoy watching them on TV with some of the things that they do. And uh, a great, It'll be fun for you on Saturday, I'm sure, because they have all the, the events and, and time you get to spend with some other KU basketball players. Do you, do you get to meet with some of the current players and share some of your wisdom? Uh, we have a banquet at the end just after the Iowa State game, and I assume the current players will be there, but I don't know that since that's a game day. But, uh, you know, everybody I played with is gone, so I don't <laughs> I'm going down with George Yarnovich, who's here in Salina, and he played later on under Ted Owens, I believe, and I'm going two of us are going down together. That's incredible. It's going to be a great experience. Again, Aubrey Linville, our guest, Salina native, KU alum, and uh, KU basketball and football letter winner as well. Uh, and Tell me, Aubrey, through your entire experience back in those days, what's maybe the, the biggest lesson you learned being a two-sport athlete and a veteran now as well? Uh, through all that, all those life experiences, what's your biggest takeaway that you learned? Well, I found, especially in football, that uh, you would find people that you could depend on. And uh, it carried through. I'm a retired lawyer, and, and, and uh, the same thing goes. You know, you just find people you can depend on. And uh, I learned that through football and basketball and track. Incredible stuff. Again, Aubrey Linville, our guest here. I've got a, a few minutes left before I, I, I let you go because I know you're a busy guy getting ready for this weekend. But it's an incredible journey that you've been on and in, in, to be now the oldest living alum for the KU basketball lineage it, it carries some weight because you're going to be a popular guy. I think a lot of people are going to want to shake your hand and, and meet you if they haven't already. And I learned earlier today there's going to be over 200 KU alums. How, how exciting is it that you'll get to reunite with a bunch of those folks and part of this is well, said, incredible I fraternity? Re, I won't reunite because I didn't know them. You know, I didn't play with any of them. Yeah. All right. Well, Aubrey, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share with the no, listeners like of Solana? I, I graduated from Solana High, and that was a great experience. We won the state championship, first Solana High team to do that. Wow. And uh, so we had a great football team, too, my senior year. and We were set a league scoring record in the CKL, and uh, nobody scored on us. So <laughs> we, we were very happy about that. Incredible. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much for the time, Mr. Linville. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get to catch up with you again here soon. It's my pleasure. All right. Aubrey Linville, our guest, will take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll actually sit down with the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, right after this.
Welcome back to In the Zone. We're on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL, 106.7 on the FM dial as well. Jackson Schneider joined now by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney. And Brian, the the finish on Tuesday night was phenomenal. I got in my car with about seven minutes left in the game, just in time to hear that awesome comeback. And you and Greg Gurley were jumping out of your seats, I'm sure, with that 10-point comeback. But the Jayhawks grind out another impressive win in this so-so talented league and protect the home court to keep moving forward. Yeah, it was incredible. It's uh, almost become an expected thing now that no matter the deficit, no matter the opponent, you just always expect Kansas to find a way. And, you know, there's obviously outliers to that, but it's amazing at home what Bill Self has been able to do now. 301 and 16 all time. We've all heard the stat. He's got as many regular season conference titles as he has home losses in 20 years there, which is just unreal. But that was another game where Jalen Wilson said it. We all believed we'd find a way. And you love that confidence. You hope it never turns into complacency where they just expect to flip the switch and it's always going to come up. Kansas because you still have to go out and make the plays. Sometimes the opposition keeps making plays on their end. But Kansas did just enough defensively and and finally got the lid off the hoop after a nearly 13-minute field goal drought to uh, to make it happen. And Jalen Wilson's big three, it was preceded by a dunk by KJ that kind of got the lid off. But we don't make that comeback if Wilson doesn't hit that three. And he'd open the game two of ten. So I I give our guys a ton of credit to have individual belief that they could pull through despite a really choppy, muddy – just not the normal offensive flow type game. But I also um, give the building and the fans a ton of credit too because there's no place in America like that where Kansas can pull wins out of the fire when it looks like they're cooked, uh, like like you see at Allen Fieldhouse. And it's just – it's unreal because think about Oklahoma fan base right now. They're, they're saying we haven't won there since 1993. You probably – you weren't even alive in 93. It's, it's been <laughs> – 22 straight meetings of Kansas winning there. They didn't play every single year for a while there, but uh, 22 straight over Oklahoma in Allen Fieldhouse. And we've had a few like that triple overtime game where it looked like it was Oklahoma's year, but Kansas always seems to find a way. It's just uncanny how they get it done. And uh, so proud of this team and, and obviously so fortunate that we've got Coach Self at the controls. Well, for Kansas, those droughts like you saw on Tuesday where they go, what, 12 and a half minutes without a bucket, that's so, so rare, especially I feel like with this group that has so many guys that are capable of scoring. But what does it say about this Kansas team that they are able to to figure it out despite those circumstances and still pull out a win? Well, it, it certainly continues to feed the narrative of – how amazing has K.J. Adams' ascension been? I mean, he's the guy that got the lid off the hoop and made multiple plays down the stretch when we had to have it. And he finishes with a career-high 22. He's now gone for 14, 14, 14, and 22 in the four league games and had nine straight double-figure games, including the 19 at Mizzou. He has blossomed into a completely different caliber player than what anybody forecast heading into the year. And it was amazing to hear Bill Self say that back in November, the plan was, and, and 
so was the case on the practice days that he works with the perimeter guys because he's going to be a wing. And Then Cam Martin hurts his shoulder and the freshmen are taking a little bit longer to get acclimated to Big 12 ball. And out of necessity, they move him into working with the bigs. And, and here he is now, 15, 16 games later, you know, looking like a second-team all-Big 12 type player. I mean, if you voted today, he'd absolutely be on that second-team list. He's been that good, that important in a 4-0 start for Kansas. And so, um, you know, you could argue he's been as important as any these, these first two weeks of league play. Jalen's obviously a front-runner for Big 12 Player of the Year, but after Jalen, who's been as much as KJ these last two games, or last two weeks, I should say. So I think that's a big part of it. I was impressed with Jalen's confidence to keep firing, even though he'd opened ten, two of ten and nothing seemed to be falling. He had the confidence to step up, take and make the biggest shot of the game. And, and Kevin McCuller, who hadn't done a whole lot offensively either, makes the and one that completes the comeback and puts us up for good, uh, which is you know the second straight Tuesday in which he's done that after a rough shooting game or a quieter offensive night. In crunch time, with the game on the line, he stepped up and delivered. He did it in Lubbock with 118 to go. He did it the other night with about 42 seconds to go. So it says a lot about his intestinal fortitude as well and the mental toughness. And so there's a lot of positives you can draw from that. It definitely wasn't um, the pretty type game. You, you know, send the videotape to Springfield, Massachusetts, and put it in the hall as this is Kansas basketball. It was ugly and muddied up and a ton of free throws, but Give Self and his team credit on a night where Oklahoma's defense made it tough and there was no rhythm or flow. They saw the way the game was being officiated and decided, you know what, we're going to take it right at them. We're going to drive it downhill. We're going to see what we can get done here with dribble penetration and, uh, you know, forcing Amy Bonner, Doug Sermons, Keith Kimball, you know, to, to make a call here. And it, it led to 39 free throws attempted and, they kept KU in it when the offense wasn't otherwise doing anything. And hopefully, uh, you know, we get back to playing more crisp offensive basketball. But I think Iowa State will play the type of style that wants to slow it down and muddy it up a little bit too. And so it's nice to see Kansas find other ways to win, even if it's not their normal bread and butter of, of get it and go and, and push it downhill off the break. Well, Brian, the Jayhawks are, are going to be back at home on Saturday and – it's not just another Big 12 game because it's it's obviously Iowa State, but I want to talk to you about the celebration that KU is going to have with 125 years of Kansas basketball and all the alums that are coming back and going to be you know celebrating and reuniting there in Allen Fieldhouse on top of what should be a really exciting and competitive basketball game. But I'm curious if you've got anything up your sleeve, if you've gotten to talk to any former Jayhawks to put together some cool interviews. Well, the, the show doesn't a lot for much. Everything is uh, scripted down to the, the, the second. So it, we don't, with 200 guys back and the current number is 204, we don't get to just open up a extra hour for, for that kind of stuff. But for anybody that's lucky enough to, to be in the banquet on Saturday night, we'll have a lot of stories that come out of that. And we'll definitely uh, have, have a microphone rolling and, and stuff on that. But in terms of the actual game broadcast, we just don't have the, the forum to do as much as we'd like to. But you got names like Drew Gooden, Nick Collison, Mario Chalmers, Sharon Collins, Walt Wesley, Darnell Valentine, Eric Chenoweth, 
Uh, who else here? Let me think. Uh, Wayne Simeon, obviously, he's local. Uh, Roy Williams coming back there. Hopeful Larry Brown will return. He's he's right now, I think, 50-50. But if you get Larry back, you have the, the four living coaches of the eight that have coached KU basketball all time. And, uh, you know, what, what a, a sight to see that would be to have all four up on stage talking about their programs and, and, and the way they ran it in their specific eras. But that list goes on and on. Darrell Arthur will be back. A um, lot, lot of guys. Keith Langford's going to be back. Uh, Russell Robinson's going to be back. A lot of Final Four and national title teams and players will be represented in this one. And when you've got that type of, uh, of, of Jayhawk, you know, brotherhood, the only thing it's really missing is these current guys that are in the NBA that can't get away from their current schedules to make it back. So otherwise, it's about as good a representation as you could hope for with over 200 coming back. And they do it every five years. Last time we did it, we actually lost the game that preceded the banquet that night and, and self grabbed the mic at the podium and, and kind of gave a 15 to 20 minute butt chewing to his team in front of everybody. And what did that team <laughs> go on to do that year? They went on to, to go to the final four. So uh, it ended up being a good thing and a great kind of line in the stand moment for self from the guys in 2018. But hopefully it's a happier Saturday night this year on the heels of a big top 15 head to head win. But you're, you're right to bring that up. It's one of the more special weekends of the year and we're really excited about it. Well, Brian, the reason I bring that up is is I learned this week that likely the the oldest surviving KU basketball letterman named Aubrey Linville is from here in Salina, and he played from 1949 to 1951 with the likes of Clyde Lavellet, and obviously he's got his name in the rafters, but Kansas basketball, their oldest living letterman, is from here in Salina, so we're we're excited to learn about that. Man, I'm I'm really excited to shake his hand on Saturday night, and he may be one of those guys that we get some audio from that that makes its way onto a, a future Hawk Talk or something like that, because uh, I mean that's that's special. You know, you get him in the building with Warren Corman, who's now 95. Ted Owens is I think 93. Um, you, you got some great. Jayhawk storytellers there that have lived it and and you know you got to capture those stories while you still can so I don't know if you guys have had him on your airwaves yet or not but uh, we definitely want to connect with him this weekend and plan to on Saturday night but if you've, if you've got a way to connect us we'd love to lean on you there because uh, in advance of, of this weekend because those are stories we want to capture and, and, and tell his tale as, as much as we can to all who can hear it because not many have, have the, the first-hand accounts that he has going back to the Fog Island days. Yeah. I think there's three Fog Island-era players on the guest list coming back, and that's exciting but also sad at the same time that you know we're kind of getting to that point where you're, you're no longer having the opportunity with many of these guys based on many passings. So love it, excited about it. And, uh, and yeah, we'll have to have to talk to him about, you know, Cumulus Clyde Lavelle, one of the all-time greats, first ever to lead the nation in scoring and win a national championship in the same year. And I believe he's still the only guy ever to do it. So uh, definitely some, some great stories to be told about Clyde for sure. Yeah, certainly. Now, the basketball side of things, that Iowa State game is creating some buzz because ISU is once again putting together a really nice season under TJ Otzelberger. And, you know, they're 13 and two and ranked 14th in the nation right now. And the, I got to 
I, I'm pumped up for this one because I think it's going to be a great game because they play really well on the road, Iowa State. And, and Kansas obviously protects home court better than just about anybody in the country. So that's going to be a big-time battle to try and decide some more space at the top of the league. Yeah, it's it's wild if you look at our next three weeks. And, and you wouldn't have said this in – summertime when the schedule came out you certainly wouldn't have said it in October when the preseason Big 12 poll came out but I mean this is this is the fortnight or the three-week stretch that will determine things right now as we view the league because you know your top two opponents for first place in that three-way tie right now will play each of them twice in the next three weeks and and uh, there will be separation that will either be insurmountable uh, or it, very close to it, quite frankly, unless we just split in both cases. So uh, Kansas, you know, sees this stretch as the all-important three weeks, and, and they're all going to be tough. Don't get me wrong. It's not like February's cakewalk, but who would have thought that this stanza in the season would be most important? And who would have thought that the game within it in Lexington, Kentucky, against John Calipari's Wildcats would be the easiest game of those six in the next three weeks that's crazy and it may not be uh they've got a couple guys out that could be back by the time we play them but my point is man this this league has turned into an absolute juggernaut and and when you look at uh what iowa state's been able to do i'm so impressed with with tj because here's a guy loses tyrese hunter who is probably next to kevin mcculler the crown jewel in the transfer portal class everybody wanted him Kansas had him in for an official visit. He winds up picking Chris Beard in Texas. And uh, they're number 10 in the country right now. But the program he left is 14. And now Beard obviously is gone at Texas. And I'm not saying Hunter has buyer's remorse or anything, but he has to be impressed with how good they've been without him. And so yeah. you tip you tip your cap to, to TJ. I mean, he goes out and gets Jaron Holmes, who's been a big-time addition for them. You look at some of the improvement that uh, Caleb Grills had. He's had an outstanding step forward, the Wichita area kid. And and Gabe Kalsher, you know, continues to make big plays. This is a guy who's just a big shot maker. And so I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with the season they've had to this point. And can't wait to see Saturday. But like I said, we'll see him twice here in a real short spell of time and K-State twice in that same stretch. So this this is the the calendar portion of the circle. Um, it's, it's Iowa State, K-State back-to-back in a span of four days. Then TCU at home, who's 17th in the country, at Baylor, who was picked to win the league, at Kentucky, who was you know top 10 to start the year. Then K-State and Iowa State all over again by – Saturday, February 4th, we'll have a pretty good handle uh, on, you know, how this league is going to go. And if that's not enough of a test, well, they get number 10 Texas the very next game. So <laughs> by, by the time Super Bowl Sunday gets here, let's put it that way. Uh, I'm not saying the league race is decided, but but you've got a clear picture. Is it is it uh, a two-horse race at that point with KU and K-State? Has Iowa State put itself, uh, you know, in, in contending mix to, to – absolutely be a team to beat because 4-0 is one thing, but after they have to face Kansas twice and some of the other teams in their next three weeks, we'll know. And then big question for me is, you know, Jerome Tang obviously has made K-State this amazing team, but his old school has limped out of the gates to a one and three starts, including a loss to Coach Tang and K-State. Does Baylor re-enter the race? They look good last night. I know James had the call of that one. He did a great job on Big 12 now, but uh, 
you know, what, what happens with the Bears? Do they jump back into it at that point? We're going to know a lot these next three weeks. Brian, what's a bigger surprise to you? The the start to the league season for the likes of K-State and Iowa State both being 4-0 and alongside Kansas or the fact that Baylor is 1-3 and and Texas Tech and West Virginia are, are 0 for the league to start? What's been the biggest surprise through league play for you so far? Well, it's surprising to see Tech and West Virginia drop to those lows, but they both had some injury concerns Kedrian Johnson with with West Virginia and two games ago Pop Isaacs was out so was the, the big fella uh, Bacho and so Texas Tech's dealt with some injury plague stuff too having said that I expect them both to stay toward the bottom uh, but I didn't think anybody would be 0-4 at this point I thought the league was good enough and and honestly James will tell you this I mean last night West Virginia had plenty of chances they could have made Baylor 0-4 quite frankly um, so surprising that it's gone that way. Clearly the surprise of the conference, though, is K-State. Anytime you see a, a club have a coaching change like that, lose a star player to a NIL deal that was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, man, $800,000 for Nigel <laughs> Pack. I still shake my head over that. But what Keontae Johnson's come in and done for Florida, uh, you lose a guy to Miami, you gain a Gator, and you don't miss a beat. It, it's amazing. And a home run higher already for K-State with Jerome Tang. So, Really um, excited for my K-State friends. I know you're a KU and K-State friend of mine, but you grew up a wildcat. For my friends that you know bleed purple, I'm happy for you. Uh, but at the same time, you know we we still hope that Kansas can keep the inside track. It's just going to be tougher now because clearly Tang is the real deal, and they are the story in the Big 12 to this point. But the second story is Iowa State for the reasons I mentioned. When you go to the Sweet 16, but then you lose, I thought, a guy that it would be a perennial first team all big 12 guy in Tyrese Hunter yeah. and they haven't missed a beat so so impressed with them I think those are the two top stories and you know we take for granted the fact that Kansas is also undefeated right now and number two in the country because self does it every year and that that shouldn't detract from his candidacy as big 12 coach of the year but it will it shouldn't detract from Kansas fans appreciation for how amazing this 15 and one start has been but it will uh, but that's just kind of the way it goes when we're spoiled as we have been for these last 20 years with him at the controls. And hopefully they'll find a way to to keep pace with cats and clones and start to separate a little bit too. But, uh, you know, we could easily be one and three right now, and that's not lost on me either. That's how difficult this league is shaping up to be. Well, doesn't that make it all the, the much more impressive what Kansas has done to start this season with, I mean, the league being perhaps as deep or as talented as, as it's maybe ever been. And for Kansas to still be 15 and one and four and oh to start league play and to do it against some of the teams that they've done it against at Texas Tech, never easy to win at. Of course, Oklahoma gave KU a run for their money at home. But I mean, through all of that, and of course, at West Virginia, I mean, Kansas is still unscathed to this point. Shouldn't that kind of prove the point that this is one of the more impressive jobs that Bill, Bill Self has done, despite, you know, that kind of being a norm? Who else in the country would lose two first-round draft picks? The the big man that hit the biggest shots in the Final Four, the best sixth man in the entire tournament in Remy Martin, and be number two in the country seven months later. It, it's crazy what he's done. and. It's even crazier when you look at the struggles of Kentucky. You look at how Carolina fell all the way out of the top 25. 
you look at you know Duke's transitioning now without Coach K and some of the growing pains they've had. It's amazing to see the year in year out perennial consistency of Bill Self in Kansas, and this is you know what one of the greatest examples of that, just based on the fact that they could be in position to be the first back to back champs since Billy Donovan's Gators back in 06, 07. So uh, that that really would be, I think, the ultimate feather in his cap if he could do that in this day and age of college basketball where, um, you know, with players moving around all the time, you could say, sure, it's easier to reload, but it's also tougher to have roster continuity and, and tougher to, to defend because everybody's getting better and you may lose some pieces. And here they are with two of their stars in the NBA right now and, and others playing professionally overseas, guys that were the heaviest of lifters on that team. And yet, who would pick Kansas right now? to make it to the Final Four and have a chance to win it all. So I completely agree. He deserves all the credit in the world. Absolutely. And Br- Brian Haney, our guest here on the show each Thursday, talking KU hoops and, and everything else KU sports related. But Brian, uh, before I let you go, we we get you on each week, thanks to some great folks in Ellsworth. Any Anything new for our folks at Nimnik True Value Hardware? Man, they've always got great specials going on. Head down there today. Check out my buddy, Sean. Tell him you heard about it here on KSAL. And uh, he'll walk you through all the big specials they've got going for this new year. If you're trying to, to do some projects around the house in the new year, if you've had stuff on your list to get done and that's one of your resolutions, man, they'll guide you through it step by step, show you the best parts and with the best prices for whatever it is you're trying to fix up around the home they'll do it with a smile on their face i'm telling you the customer service is as good as you'll find so check them out today just down the road in ellsworth nimnik true value hardware thanks a lot buddy we'll talk to you next week uh, hopefully kansas still has it rocking and rolling but man it's going to be tough number 14 and number 11 before we talk next uh and i think k-state it could be a top 10 head-to-head by the time the next poll comes out so we can't wait for next week. We'll have a lot to recap on next week's edition. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. We'll take a quick timeout and wrap up the show right after this. You're listening to In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KS. Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Loaded show today as we end our show for the next 10 minutes or so with the head basketball coach of the Solomon Gorillas, Kyler Stein. Coach, a big win on Tuesday night for your group. You protect the home court against a state-ranked opponent in Clifton Clyde and grab a big W. Take me through that victory and, and what it means for your squad. Yeah, you know, we, we played to, you know a complete game and you know, it, it took 32 minutes of, of good basketball. Um, you know, they're, they're a great team and, you know, their coach does, he does an incredible job with them. Um, but you know, it, it took an effort from all of our guys and we talked a lot about, you know, playing their roles and doing what, you know, they need to do. Um, and it was our first game, you know, this year that we, we truly executed, you know, the game plan for 32 minutes and, you know, guys played within themselves and, um, and did their role, you know, effectively. And, um, it's something, you know, that, you know, it's good to see after Christmas break is that's something we harped on them a lot over break, you know, just do, do what you're supposed to do, do what you're expected to do. Um, and then they responded really well to that. So with the win, I, I, I know there's still a lot of basketball to be played here this season, coach, but 
I mean, that's got to be a big confidence boost for your group because you're you're coming off of a season where you made a trip to state and you won a game in the state tournament and and you're trying to continue that success into to this year and I'm sure that's a, that's a benchmark and a confidence builder that this group can go and try to accomplish that yet again. Yeah, you know, we it's like, you know, we talk to them as just just playing one game at a time and worrying about what's next. Um and that's, you know, that's the mindset we had you know, last year as well is just take it one game at a time, you know, and, and piece by piece, you know, we'll get to where, where we want to be. And, and that's the same mentality, you know, we have this year is just, you know, each game, take it, take it week by week, game by game. And, you know, we'll get to where we want to be, but it's always, you know, it's always good to go get some big wins out there um, and show them that, you know, we're, we're, we're right up there. You know, we did lose some key pieces, um, but you know, this team is a, is a completely different team from last year's team, but, um, a team that can still make a run and make some noise here in March. And that's, you know, we want to be playing our best basketball then. And we got to that point last year where, you know, we, we had some ups and downs throughout the regular season. But, you know, at that, that time March comes around, late February, we really started playing our best ball. And I think that's, you know, the same direction we're headed this year. Again, Kyler Stein, our guest, head boys basketball coach of the Solomon Gorillas, fresh off a, a nine-point win over Canton Galva on Tuesday night, and uh, two really good performances. I see. I, I saw this from your your tweet after the game, coach. But Spencer Cope and uh, also Spencer Kraus, each with some really good performances on Tuesday night. Uh, what what are some of the the biggest contributions they bring to your group? Maybe outside of, of the on court performance, is there leadership that they take in in practice or in the classroom? You see that helps you uh, utilize them all over the place and not just when the ball's tipped. Yeah, absolutely. Those two, you know, they're they're just great individuals. Um, both their their parents teach here at the school um, with me, so you know I. I know that they're going to be well-behaved kids. I know I don't have to worry about, you know, other other things with them. Um, and you know, tonight we were practicing at 3:30, and you know they're they're in my last hour class of, of weight, so they're actually, you know, just to show show what kind of people they are. They they go and officiate our junior high scrimmages. So you know, they're they're great kids. They're great individuals. Um, they're great leaders around here. Um, whether it be in practice or whether it be, you know, in the school walls, they're just. They're kids that you just want to have around you because they make the other kids on your team better. Um, and they, they truly make me a better person as well. Um, so I'm very thankful for those two. And, you know, that list goes on farther than just those two, but um, they definitely stand out, you know, each and every day of just the way they carry themselves and the, the, hand, the standard that they hold, you know, everyone else and within our program too. Well, Coach, you mentioned a few minutes ago that th- this year's team for you guys is much different than you were a season ago. Has that been a bit of a challenge in finding the new identity of this group and trying to find what pieces fit best where and when and what situations? Has that been a bit of a challenge early on in the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you know, you look at our first half before Christmas break there, you know, we, we came into break three and three and, you know, we really got kind of drilled in a few games. We lost to Bennington big and we lost to El Saline big and it's like we told the guys is it, we're still trying to figure out what's going to work for us and what the best way, you know, to do things is. And we, you know, we got, we finally got those pieces figured out over break and, you know, it's good to see us put together, you know, two big wins over Gossel and Canton Galva these last two weeks, because it, it just gave our guys that confidence boost that to see that, you know, what, what we're doing is working and the, the trust that they have in us um, is huge in that because, you know, they got to believe in what we're doing and, 
you know, I think that's, you know, over half the battle, just the belief in what's going on, and, and they've bought into what we want to do. Now, moving forward, we're getting to the point in the season now where you hit the, the stretch run and it just kind of becomes a grind because you're playing, you know, in most cases, two games a week and there's midseason tournaments mixed in there. But it's really a sprint to the finish line. And, and you've got about a month and a half before we get into sub-state ball and trying to play for the postseason. What would be the biggest area your team needs to focus on for improvement as you head down that final stretch? Yeah, you know, I think just what I said earlier, what we've improved on is just knowing your role. And I think that's something we've, we've still just got to continue to do um, because, you know, we'll do it, you know, for one game well for 32 minutes. And then the next game, you know, we're kind of back to old habits. So just being able to do that, you know, for 32 minutes, you know, every single game. And then like we've talked all year long, it's we're, we're an undersized team. I mean, we start six foot at our biggest guy um, and play four guards, you know, all the time. And so we're undersized. We've got to be able to rebound the ball. Um, we've got to be able to win the turnover battle a night in and night out. Um, and if we can do that, we can, you know, stay even um, in the rebounding battle being undersized. And if we can win the turnover battle, um, that's just a huge – that's always a goal for us every, every single night. So if we can do those two things effectively, um, and we haven't always done them effectively this year. So those are still something that, you know, we've got to be able to do. Um, to stay in these big games against some teams that are probably more talented than we are. Well, up next, you've got a, another good test in Harrington, and it'll be another home court advantage for you. I know you, you cited in your tweet after the game on Tuesday night that the Solomon community really gave you some some energy and a little extra boost in that game with Canton Galva. Uh, do you expect that again to give you guys a little extra oomph when you get ready to take on Harrington here tomorrow night? Yeah, absolutely. We have we have homecoming coming up here on Friday night. So, you know, it's really been kind of an electric week here. Uh, we got spirit week going on. You know, we can, you can just you can kind of feel a different excitement in the air. And, you know, Harrington's arrival and um, they, they took us down in football this year. So I know our guys are pretty eager to get to get back at them um, for that loss that they felt we shouldn't have probably probably had in the football season. Um, so we're you know, we're we're eager to go. And and I expect our community to be there and show out as they they usually do. And you know, we, we unfortunately lost our, our main gym floor in the flood. We had a flood over Christmas break. We had a water line um, burst inside the school, so it flooded out our big gym. So we're playing in our smaller gym. Um, so it's, it's, you know, a little different, but it's awesome to see how, how loud we can get that place. And, you know, as our guys were joking around after the game, we, we may never go back to that gym if we <laughs> continue to play the way we are right now. So the, the atmosphere was great, and I expect it to be, you know, just the same, if not even better, on Friday night. Well, that's that's unfortunate to a degree about the the big gym, but I, I'm right there with <laughs> them. I think the the smaller gyms, a lot of times, can bring a little bit extra energy because that sound just echoes a little bit more. So I might have to get over there and catch a game or two if I can to see that environment. If it's if it's what you're saying, it is. So that sounds like it's a good time. But uh, coach, you Absolutely. got a, a mid season tournament next week, right? Uh, where where are you guys yes. playing at, and what do we have ahead in the schedule? Yeah, so we go actually we go play uh, in Canton Galva's tournament, and so we start out with with Bennington on Tuesday. Who you know I, we said Bennington, you know, kind of took care of us pretty easily in, in our first game. Um, we played them, you know, second game of the year, and they're a top five ranked team in the two A at the two A level. So it's going to be a tremendous challenge for us there. Um, but it's one that you know I think our guys. It, it, it won't be the same outcome. And that's what we've talked to our guys about is, you know, 
we got beat by 30 the first time and and we are a completely different team than than what we are now and and really they're the same team that that they have been i mean they've those guys that they have starting for them and playing for them played last year for them um and they'll be there next year for them so they're they're a really solid team and they do a great job and you know they present a very a very tough matchup for us with their height and their size um but it's one that you know we feel that we have some things that we saw in, in film um against them and then from what we've seen some other teams do that you know we can really exploit some things against them and and try to get us an advantage and so you know like we always preach to our guys just compete and compete and compete and you know we're not afraid to go out and play anybody and so you know we're ready to get out there you know next Tuesday and you know give Bennington our best shot. Awesome stuff Kyler Stein head boys basketball coach of the Solomon Gorillas coach thanks so much for the time today good luck tomorrow and, and the rest of the way. Hey, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I've, absolutely. Anytime we can, we'll get you back on, Coach. But, again, appreciate Coach Stein taking the time to speak with us today. That's going to wrap up our show. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 515 here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL.